The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Bell. In a few years' time, once enough cars are autonomous and car ownership has collapsed, and we're turning roadside car parks into bike lanes and garages into four-storey apartments, we will look back and wonder at how much space was left vacant, just waiting for these cars that only ever got driven for 5% of the time. It's bananas. And some people didn't have to wait till the future to see this. They looked at all that time, space and capital sitting inefficiently a bit earlier. The big names you know, Uber and Airbnb, are standard bearers for this sharing economy, taking what's underused and sharing the usage. Locally, in the car park space, we also have a very cool company doing just this, called Parkable. They take your empty car parks and match them with parkers who pay a fee. They market, provide the tech, clip the ticket and help the world squeeze some more efficiency out of the model. Parkable are run by Brody Nelson on the technical side and Toby Lytton on the commercial side. And we've got them on today to chat through that idea about seizing the moment and their new app, Campable, opening up spots all over the country to mobile homes and vans of travellers. That's going to be something that provides vineyards, marais and paddocks with a new income stream and hopefully will put an end to pooping in public car parks. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, gentlemen. Thanks. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having us on. Hey, tell us, how did you guys come to be making mobile apps? Uh, well, I've been making mobile apps for quite a few years now. Um, I was doing it in the UK, uh, working for other people, making other people's apps. Uh, but when I returned to New Zealand, I got together with this gentleman, Toby Lytton, and we thought, hey, let's have a crack at doing something for ourselves. What was the spark that got the parkable idea along? Was that something you'd been mulling over for a while? No, the pain of parking. Um, a few things went down, really. Um, there's, a, there's a third co-founder of the business. Um, he had a pretty nasty parking experience, shared it with me. Um, and I came back around that time to about $180 worth of tickets on my front windscreen, and I thought, this sucks. Um, so it was the user side, you know, the parking side, that sort of led to there's got to be a better way. Um, and then when we looked around at what's going on, as you say, the sharing economy and sort of saw the opportunity. And this was how many, a couple of years ago? That yeah, you guys about, launched. about two years ago. Yeah, yeah and there, it seems kind of um, amazing that there wasn't something bubbling up because two years ago, I think Uber was probably the biggest story in the world. Sure. I mean, I, when we first um, launched, there was a couple of other players in the space, but they seem to have fallen away in New Zealand. But we, we have a... Um, 
a lot of similar businesses popping up all over the world um, on our radar quite regularly, but we, we just keep doing what we're doing and try to be the best, I guess. How many people, and this is something that lots of people with uh, an idea that has such potential to like free up so much space, mm. how many people come up to you and go, oh, I had that idea? Oh, yeah, about one in three. Yeah, yeah, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it, do you reckon, that like is the difference between having the idea and the fact that you guys actually went out and did it? Well, I say this to people who, because people come to me a lot, lot with app ideas because um, I make apps, and um, what I generally say is a, a good idea is, is great, but it's the absolute minimum. You need to execute really well, and then you need to bring it to market really well. Um, so people people are very protective of their idea. They don't want to share it. Uh, I think that's nonsense. You should just go out and validate your idea, talk to people, get honest feedback. Um, the idea by itself is really not worth that much. How do you guys execute then? Uh, because I imagine it takes... Um, uh, I, I imagine it's quite hard to get that off the ground. Like, what, what, do, what yeah. do you do first? So. In the early days of Parkable, it was really just us sitting around my kitchen table um, so that we didn't have a lot in the way of um, development muscle apart from myself. Um, but the second time around with Campable, it was a lot easier because we had um, some infrastructure and we were able to, we had a bigger, bigger team to build it, right? So Yeah, let, let's jump back to those early days though, of, of yeah. the Parkable <laughs> with how you first got that infrastructure up. Like, what were the first things that you did that got the idea working? Because you'd have to go out and approach people to ask if you can use their car parks and you'd have to get users on board? Yeah, work, working's a big word. We tried a lot of stuff in the early days and some of it was a dismal failure. Um, we, we had high hopes on good old-fashioned things like flyer drops and all kinds of stuff around, you know, getting getting the message out to people and, and fail, you know. Um, but in the early days, really, it was a whole lot of time beating the street, talking to a huge amount of people. Um, we built a great team early. We got some really great early staff members that made mm. a huge difference, um, one of whom started as an intern uh, and is now with us today uh, as, as our marketing manager, absolutely stand out. Um, so great people around us and long, hard hours, you know, getting out after hours, w literally walking the streets, chatting to people, handing out flyers, yeah. uh, just to understand, get some insight, and then feed that back into the product that we were building to make it better digitally, you know. Um, and, and we had this sort of uh, preconception, which turned out to be a misconception, that uh, Parkable would be around event parking. You know, the events are where there's a lot of pressure on space and we thought, oh, you know, ne next to the stadium and it'll be all driveways and that's going to be what the business is. And it turns out that's not what the business was at all. Um, we're much more uh, focused on commuter parking these days. But uh, back then we launched around a, an All Blacks match mm -hmm. and we thought this is going to be great. And it was so much hard work for not a lot of repeat custom. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was good to validate the, those misconceptions. And yeah, we, we found a way to scale our business. We just need an all-black test every day of yeah, the week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a big one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and in, in terms of your business, how is it um, mainly um, shaking down? Is it like uh, people getting a space five days a week to commute to? Or is it people kind of heading into the city and be like, oh, I've got a meeting and I don't want to pay those Wilson bastards? Mm. Yeah, um, the motivations are varied. A lot of... You know, a lot of people don't really like the incumbents like Wilson, so they think they're a pack of assholes, really, um, and I would agree. Um, now, I guess 
in terms of the shape of our business, as a result of that, a big part of it is commuter parking, as, as Brady said, you know, um, north of 80%, about 84% commuter parking, and the rest is sort of weekend and entertainment parking, as we call it, and event parking, you know, like games and gigs and whatnot. Yeah, and is it one-off, or is it like a regular? No, 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 no. Um, no, really interesting behaviours and, and some really cool stuff to see around sort of people's choices when it comes to driving, which we really support. Um, so, you know, people are parking about 1.2 days a week, uh, but they're parking repetitively, so they'll Basically, they'll drive to town once a week, um, you know, one week, Monday out of five, um, which we think is really cool. Uh, so it means that parking can become part of the commuter mix rather than all of it and, you know, get more cars off the road, which is good. What, what kind of places have surprised you? So I, I imagine that it's kind of like there's the odd, like, sitter, which would be a place that had a garage out front that was, you know, right off Ponsonby Road or something. But yeah, what, what what kind of parking situations have surprised you? <laughs> Daxi's mum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, one of our one of our developers, um, his mother, in his early days in support of the business, uh, listed her driveway, and it's down in Onihanga, um, which, which for those who don't know is kind of a suburb, uh, 15, 20 minutes out of out of the centre or CBD of Auckland. Um, she listed her driveway, and she got a regular daily parker, paying like three dollars a day to park way out there in the suburbs. It was it was crazy. Um, yeah, so that was a big surprise, and and we're starting to see we call them pockets, but these pockets emerging, which are little areas of activity where where there's there's for whatever reason there's pressure on parking infrastructure and and therefore demand. Yeah, how do you get that kind of network effect or? Um I guess there are there must be thresholds where people will only pull out the app and use it if they feel confident that there's going to be options. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, what we try and do is get a um, a lead host, sort of a larger host, and then we backfill with smaller hosts around it. So um, a good example is K Road. We've got a a big church up there that has forty or fifty spaces, and then on the days where there's a funeral and that park is closed, we've got enough smaller parks around that our regulars you know can just uh choose another option so yeah that's that's really important to have a a cluster and from getting it established in auckland and having those kind of areas of uh density what, what have you found about what it takes to scale that idea is this something where you now have a model where you can take 50 people and open up a new city yeah, um, we're, we're testing our scaling ideas now. Uh, so we launched in Wellington relatively recently, um, starting to build some scalable. It's really all about sales systems and, and marketing systems. And um, we believe we're, we're getting there. Every day's a learning day, but um, we're getting some good early results. Um, we're getting a lot of approaches from territories that want want to open alongside, you know, want to partner with us to open in their region. We've recently had approached that at Christchurch, for example. Um, but I think there's a lot of room to improve always. Um you know, we're probably 80% of the way there. What about people trying to buy you? Do you have people coming out of the woodwork and going, oh, one of the three people, one of the one in three who come up to you and say, I had that <laughs> idea. Do they say, I had that idea, but I didn't build it. Can I buy it? Uh, we get a lot of investment interest. Um, outright sale, no, we're not really in the market for that at the moment. Um, so, But in terms of investment, yeah, we get a lot of people um, asking to be a part of the business. Um, and we're very, um, not only open to that, but we sort of encourage broad ownership of our business. We think that's the future. Um, you know, having a lot of interested parties, it's, it's a team effort. Our investors are an integral part of our business. And our investors bring other opportunities with them. I mean, we've uh, one of our most recent investors um, has created some opportunities for Toby to go up to uh, China this week um, and meet a few interested parties who are interested in licensing uh, Parkable up there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's that, that's the kind of skill set we want to mm. on our investment board. 
that is really exciting as the idea obviously can work anywhere that there's car parks. Are mm. there big international competitors who are entrenched? Is there already an Uber of car parking Ubers? Globally, no. Regionally, yes. Um, parking's very much a regional game. You know, it's not not like you pick up your car and you take it on a plane with you. Um, so so generally speaking, um, you look for parks and, and your parking behaviour is in and around the area where you live. Um, so what this creates is a lot of regional sort of dominance for, for players like us. So in the UK, there's, there's um, a great business um, going and, and we're watching them really closely. Uh, there's an emerging business um, uh, coming out in the US now from from this coast of the US. Um, and, and in Australia, there's been a couple of attempts uh, whether or not they're going to get any traction remains to be seen. And the cool thing is where you've got that licensing, uh, things that you can do without having to actually go and set up, but also how it's led to camper ball, which did that emerge from people trying to park their camper vans in people's <laughs> you know driveways? Yeah, a little bit. Like We responded to user demand and... Um, I had another website, well, I still have a website called happycamping.co.nz and at the time I was thinking, um, I know I should turn this camping review website into a sharing economy platform. Um, and then I thought, hang on a minute, I already have a sharing economy platform, it's called Parkable. And so I spoke to Toby and said, well, maybe we should do something with motorhomes and motorhome travellers because I think New Zealand has a lot of amazing, unique properties that would be awesome to open up to tourists. Um, and yeah that's where it sort of came from and then we decided oh it's too different from Parkable let's just break it out and make a whole new thing and how did you guys get that up and going because you've had some amazing pickup haven't you like yeah. a thousand users in your first week which yeah. is amazing um, yeah so so again it was a, that was a very different proposition as Brody said and we realised we needed uh, quite a different platform for it digital platform um, very experiential on the camping side as opposed to uh, parking's transactional right mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing we realised we'd need would be more resource. So we reached out to some of our investors and were fortunate enough to, to find a new investor who comes from the tourism industry who immediately bought into the idea. Um, so that gave us quite a bit of funding to help with the build and, and the launch. Um, and then it was really um, under, take all of the learnings that we could from that investor and their networks, build that into what has, has turned into, I think, a, a great um, yeah, not really a minimum viable product, but actually a great mature product that we've launched with. Mm. Um, it's, quite, it's quite hard to build a, a minimum viable product for a sharing economy platform because mm. there's so many interrelated parts. You can't just build the part for the hosts or the part for the guests. You have to have uh, it all working together. So, mm. And if you're wanting to showcase kind of why would I pay to stay in this place, you, you, you can't... Just have a text description. You'll need yeah. to have the images. You have to have the yeah. map, and yeah, yeah, like I suppose that must be a nice little moat for you guys if someone is coming to look to, to jump into the space. Yeah, it's um, you, you know, it's um, with tech that sort of IP space and protection space is, is always difficult, but um, we've certainly got a good run on it, um, and I think you know that competitive advantage, that moat you talk about. Um, there's kind of lots of elements to that, one of, one of which is having a great digital product, one of which is having great people, and one of which is having um, awesome process and execution. And I think we're, we're lucky enough to have some great people around us that are helping with all three of those things. Um, so, yeah, and then outside of that, it's just that execution, 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 you know, work hard, 
do what you say you're going to do, get it done on time. The good basic staff. Um, what What are the, some of the cool listings that you guys have oh. on Campable? Because I'd imagine that with uh, mm. Parkable, there weren't kind of like um, unique sure. decorated parking spaces. Well, but something really funny happened in the first week when, um, at the time, every new property that was listed was um, appearing in the featured uh, category just because um, we wanted to see what was coming up. And so um, that meant the, new, the newest properties were getting the, the most prominence on the, on the platform. Uh, and this, uh, this group listed their property and it was their, uh, a naturist yeah. park. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a lot of photos of people in sparkles and uh, Having blur- a great time. blurry photos of people sitting around sort of... Um, Barbecuing. Barbecue. <laughs> yeah. And it was... Pretty that's funny. A, that's that's pretty, a health risk. Yeah, well, that's what we were thinking, you know, what's the health and safety? But it looked great. It was in the mountains. Uh, yeah. It looked beautiful. I think that Toby, as the director of the business, should secret shopper and uh, yeah. No one and wants to see that, mate. Yeah. No have have you guys that. done a bit of that? Yeah. So um, our, uh, our investor is actually a motorhome uh, rental company, Wilderness, and um, they encouraged us to get out and actually you know, uh, test the product, get into the field and see what it's like. And, and um, so I was lucky enough to go away uh, with my wife and some friends in a state-of-the-art motorhome, uh, and we had a great experience. We tr- um, we stayed with a, a couple on a farm stay just near Hobbiton because we had some kids with us and they wanted to go to Hobbiton. So we're actually staying on the next farm over, which is pretty amazing. Um, and they were very friendly. And then the next night we had a completely different experience. We stayed in... Uh, a Wairaki resort which is a you know a big lodge and took advantage of the thermal pools and the bar and the restaurant and it was great mm-hmm. what does it cost because the thing that jumps to mind is kind of the tourists pooing in public mm-hmm. car parks mm-hmm. because they're so cheap they mm-hmm. won't even pay to go to a traditional motor yeah. home area sure I mean, who's your customer and like do they have loos here that they can use? So lots of things in there, I suppose. Um, <laughs> firstly, um, yes, some of the properties have toilets and whatnot. Um, but just just backing up a second, you know, when you hear about things like people pooing in, in the you know front lawn or pooing in the reserve or whatever, um, we take the view that that's a capacity problem, which means there's not enough spaces for these to go that are at the right price point. Now, freedom camping is one thing, but but what we're learning really quick is that people are actually willing to pay, albeit it might be a modest amount for some sites if there's not a lot of facilities but they're willing to pay for this, you know, and so it's it's more a function of just giving them the opportunity. The Freedom Camping sites are absolutely chocker, they're mirror to mirror, and often it may not be the type of person you want to hang out with. If you're a backpacker, you may want to party. If you're a, you know, a 40-something tourist in a self-contained motorhome, you may want that seclusion or that maybe local connection, and that's what we're trying to provide is a lot of breadth of option. And I think that um, that's what people are coming to New Zealand for is this pristine, um, natural experience, and then if you're cheek to jowl with, you know, someone else from Munich right next to you, uh, <laughs> that's maybe not what you came here for. Yeah, I, so, Have you guys got, like, a contingency plan for, like, Code Brown? Like, if, <laughs> if like, you know, someone complains <laughs> that people have come in and cracked in their veggie yeah, garden? Yeah, so um, the platform has two-way reviews, so the host <laughs> reviews the guest and the guest reviews the host. Um, and so we'd be having some pretty strong conversations and kicking people off the platform I think if they were misbehaving but so far so good right we haven't had any problems um, and and we've learned from Parkable that that is quite a powerful way to moderate the community um, have it self-regulating a little bit that's that's magic and that idea of opening up the vineyards and marae and uh, places that you know 
farms and, mm. and having that option. Um, yeah, it, it, it's so cool. Uh, what, what kind of things have you guys had to upskill along the way to go from um, the commercial and technical side to, sure. to creating like a, a thing? <laughs> well, I guess for me, I came purely from a technical background, and but as a director of the business, I end up doing PR, you know, podcasts, and I, I've produced a video, and uh, you sort of end up just doing anything that the business needs to have done. Um, so it's, it's exciting, and we just... Um, yeah, and uh, I think, as Brady says, you know, every every day is a learning day. It's hard to sort of put a finger on exactly what have you learned because there's been so much. Um, for me, I didn't come from a technical background. I came from sort of an investment background. And so, um, yeah, had to had to really upskill them around digital marketing, um, you know, which has been great and, and get help from a lot of people with that. Um, had to learn to ask for help. Um, I think that was a big thing, you know. Swallow your pride, get out there. Uh, you know, you don't know everything. You've got to, you've got to be willing to ask. And then with the space that we play in and the sharing economy, that's all new ground. You know, there's not many people you can go to and say, "Hey, how did your sharing economy business work?" Um, and there's been some a huge amount of learning in and around how how the sharing economy works, how to motivate people to participate in it. Um, you know. And, and understanding that the sharing economy in some regards is great and, you know, um, flavour de jour, flavour of the moment. Um, but in other regards, it's actually twice as hard because you've got to sell twice. You know, you've got to sell to both sides of the table. Um, and and so that, that was a big bit of learning. And it only really works at scale, right? Mm. Like um, if you're only taking a small percentage, you need a, a lot of customers. Um, and you you also need scale to actually moderate the community. Like mm. no one cares about their reviews if they're not worried about wanting to use it again. Exactly, exactly. And, and you can't control the quality. Like this is something where um, people providing cleaning services and mm. just offering a platform rather than uh, having them as employees keep running into trouble around yeah, the world. Yeah, but you guys maybe have a bigger pool to kind of draw on. Well, I guess the other thing is that um, unlike Freedom um, Campers, we actually know, our users we know their we know their license plate number. We know we've got their drivers uh, detail, drivers drivers license details. Um, we've got their bank account details if they're a host, and we've got their credit card details if they are a, a user. So. Um, in our T's and C's, if they're badly behaved, we can actually find them and all that mm. kind of thing. So there are some other controls, but um, I guess the first strategy is self-moderated through re reviews. Yeah. And what keeps you guys up at night? Like, what's the thing <laughs> that, like, that you wake up at two in the morning and go, oh. Oh, there's any number of things. Mm. I mean, I think because there's so many moving parts to the business, um, I've got a very busy mind keeping track of, um, you know, different releases and, you know, I'm releasing apps and website and front end and back end there's just lots of parts of the business and um, I think that's that's the hardest thing to uh, keep juggling and for me it's it's growth really um, you know I, I yeah what keeps you up at night is, is are we hitting our growth numbers are we, are we growing as strongly as because as I said earlier you know we're, we're a wide ownership business we've got a lot of really um, great and uh, loyal supporters and it's up to really Brady, myself, and our, our third co-founder Warwick to see that those guys' expectations are met. So that means growing as fast as we promise we will, um, and that's what keeps you awake at night. And growth is a function of heaps of stuff. Do you, Do you have any words you live by, or mottos you come back to, or or things that you lean on? So we've got some clear values in both businesses, but um, we're we're trying to be game changers. That's that's really important to us. Um, 
we see a problem, we're trying to actually make a difference, and um, and we think that the tourism industry and is a little bit stayed, and I think that Campbell is a game changing platform. Mm-hmm. How about in terms of like the disruption piece? Uh, whereas Uber, the biggest standard bearer for this kind of sharing economy disruption, uh, they've had that concept that if you're going to disrupt an industry, sometimes you have to be an asshole. And like to me, I think it's fantastic that they're coming undone from mm. that attitude mm. at last. Uh, yeah. So. Um so I, I I don't believe you need to be an asshole. Um, in fact, I think the inverse is true. Um, I think that sharing economy businesses are about creating a platform. You do have to sell to both sides. That means you know if we were Uber, I'd be saying that means your drivers and your your travellers, your, your, your um, passengers. Um, in our case, uh, we we do have a um, a method by which we prioritise our behaviour um, and we, we refer to it as, as hugging our hosts and high-fiving our users. Um, that's a blatant plagiarism um, that we stole off another business, um, Uber. <laughs> um, but uh, but it, it's quite useful. But that said, it doesn't mean you need to be an asshole. Um, I, I firmly believe you don't. I think, you know, unless you, you genuinely embrace that and you're good to the people in your community, you're not going to have a growing business. Um, and I think Uber are seeing a lot of backlash from it. You know, Airbnb live in the sharing economy. They don't live like that. In fact, the inverse for them is true, you know, reviews both ways. Um, so, And do you guys have any advice to people sitting out there who they're, they're thinking they've got an idea, it seems big, it seems like they might take the leap? What, what do you guys have to say after a couple of years of, of taking the leap? Well, I think it's an exciting and um, interesting thing to do is to run your own startup business. Um, there's, it's a real emotional roller coaster. Like there's some really high highs and some really low lows. So you have to you have to be prepared to have that uncertainty. Um, but what I would say is validate your idea as much as you can before you start because what's expensive and time consuming and difficult is software development. Uh, what's easier is if you concierge your idea and build the thing once. You don't want to be building it two, three, four times. Mm. Yeah, I'd echo that sentiment. Validate, validate, validate. You can do it for free these days. There's some amazing tools to even build basic digital products that you can test the idea with an audience. I think that's that's critical. Um, and my second thing that I would add to that is don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like Brady, I, I hear a lot of ideas from people when we're chatting about businesses and startups and whatnot. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know if I can tell you my idea. It's my little secret. Or yeah. It's my thing. And don't you, you can't you can't survive like that. You know, there are ups and downs. So having a partner and, uh, you know, a partner in the business is great to be able to have a shoulder to cry on, someone to support, someone to celebrate your wins with. Um, but it's also critical for the skill set balance. You know, just that execution piece. You can't execute on your own. You, you need people around you. So um, that would be my piece of advice. Ah, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Toby Lytton and Brody Nelson, for coming in today. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Thanks. Cheers. Uh, two of the co-founders of Parkable and now Campable that you guys can find by using uh, the magic Google machine online. Thank you to Madeline Chapman for producing today, and thank you very much for listening. May I suggest that if you are a fan of the spin-off, you head online to iTunes and download the spin-off app that was interestingly also a product of Translate Digital, the company that Brody and Toby have together. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by the spin-off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by Spark Lab. 
Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.